Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 25 through 27. And I think I'm going to move the special we were going to sing now, the special song we're going to sing now, we're just going to move that to tonight. Uh, So if you'd bear with us on that. We want to jump right into the scriptures. So the special we're going to sing now, we're just going to sing tonight. Ephesians chapter 5, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 5, we want to look at verses 25 through 27. And before we read, just a reminder, the special we were going to do this morning, we're just going to move to tonight. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, I want you to read along as I read out loud. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Let's read the next two together, pausing at the punctuation marks. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth that we've learned today from your word. I pray that even now you'd help us to take this sensitive topic and give me the words so that we can say it in a way that would be easy, easily understood and that we'd be able to internalize the message from your word today, and that we would see ourselves the way you see us and stop looking at ourselves in perhaps the ways that we've been trained to or we're accustomed to, but we would learn more about our identity in Christ, the new you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So we're in the middle of our fall series, the new you, your identity in Christ, and we've talked about This idea that, boy, the the new identity that we have in Christ after salvation is so powerful. It's so transforming. I don't know who you think you are. I don't know what you think about yourself. But I can probably guarantee you that for most people in the world, it's not the way God looks at you. It's not the way God feels about you. We often internalize the things we've heard over the years. We believe lies about ourselves. The truth is, most of our self-talk, the way we think about ourselves, the way we talk to ourselves, about ourselves, most of it's pretty negative, isn't it? And imagine how damaging that is when you believe things like you're worthless, you're a mistake, it'd been better if you'd never been born, you're ugly, you have no skills, why are you even here? Imagine how terrible these things would be just to have rolling through our minds every day. Trauma causes this. Sometimes we go through difficult things and and we don't know how to process these emotions and we we come to the wrong conclusions. Sometimes we have been exposed to toxic people or toxic relationships that really beat us down and burden us down with things that they've said. Isn't it amazing how something you heard when you were six years old can still affect you when you're 60. Those things get stuck in us, and we begin to believe those things about us. Sometimes it's the people that are supposed to love us the most that hurt us the worst. 
And all of this doesn't make sense. And so we, we begin to form this identity. And whether you have an identity that's too low of where it should be, and you think you're a nothing and nobody, or whether you have an identity that's too high where you think you're God's gift to everybody and everyone, <clears throat> and I've known both sides of the equation, amen, I know people that fit both sides, it's all wrong. And it's all forms of pride. Whether we think higher of ourselves than God tells us to think, that's pride. But did you know also it's a form of pride to think lower of yourself than God tells you to think of yourself? That's a form of pride too. And so we need to learn what God says about us so we can see ourselves the way God does and we can find our new identity in Christ. And of course, we're speaking today about people that have been born again. People that have had their sins forgiven through trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And if that's you, then you can begin to learn about your new identity. If perhaps you're watching online or you're here and you're new to Christianity or you're, you're not sure what salvation is, you're not, you're not sure who Jesus Christ is, then let me encourage you to listen with an ear to want to understand what salvation is and who Jesus is, but also understand that some of the best things I'm going to tell you today don't apply to you unless you are a believer in Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And when you put your uh, saving faith in Jesus Christ, we who have been sinners and under the condemnation, the wrath of God, get transformed into being saved and, and transformed into a child of God. We get this new identity with Christ. And so we've talked about several things. We've talked about you're a child of God in Christ. We've talked about you're valuable in Christ of today and some other things. But today I want to give you this thought. And it's going to sound a little weird at first, but allow me to lay a foundation. I want you to really consider this because for some of you, this is going to be so different than what you're used to thinking about yourself and even what you're used to hearing that it's going to be hard for you to accept. <clears throat> but I want you to think about it. And I believe this statement applies to every child of God in the room, and I'll explain why. <clears throat> Here's the statement today. You are beautiful in Christ. You are beautiful in Christ. <clears throat> Did you know when God looks at you, He sees beauty? You might say, oh, preacher, you're talking to the person next to me. Or you might be talking to the person down the row, and somebody might say, yeah, that's right, I knew it. <laughs> you know, uh, but the truth is, you are beautiful in Christ. We get so focused sometimes on the outward appearance, and we live in a world right now where they're trying to make the most important thing about you how you look. And I tell you, friend, it's a mistake. The most important thing about you is not the color of your skin or the color of your hair or how far apart your eyes are or, or the, the, the whiteness of your teeth. I was talking to someone recently, I, I just met them, they smiled, and I almost got blinded by the whiteness of their teeth. It was like it was supernatural. I didn't know if they had like batteries in there or something. But uh, I'm for whitening the teeth. But if we can tell that you've whitened them like with the sun, then um, it might, might be a little too far. But I'm just saying that far too much emphasis is placed on the outward appearance and unnatural standards of beauty sometimes we lose the fact that in the eyes of God, we are beautiful. And I want to explain that to you today. God is a God of beauty. He is beautiful. 
Have you thought about that? God is beautiful. And God bestows beauty upon his creation. Did you look outside this morning? Did you see that beautiful sunrise? Have you seen a sunset lately? Have you looked up in the eyes, in the sky, and seen the stars at night, the beautiful moon? The trees blowing in the wind. I was driving down the road yesterday, and it was almost like everything just went into slow motion. The beautiful orange leaves on the road, and it's a couple days ago, early in the morning. Beautiful leaves on the road, and, and driving down the tree-lined streets, and it's almost like the time slowed down as the leaves were just falling like snow in front of my car, and I'm like, Lord, this is beautiful. You driven by the ocean lately? beautiful. God is a God of beauty, and He loves to make beautiful things. I was with my family recently. I had some business to take care of up in Providence, and we were driving through an old section of Providence, and I kept telling my mother-in-law was with us and my son, and I said, oh, look at the architecture on that house, and oh, look at the architecture on that building. You know, it was beautiful. We need to learn how to appreciate the beauty that's around us But I'm going to tell you this, we need to learn how to appreciate the beauty that is within us. Because each one of you, if you're in Christ, you're beautiful in the eyes of God. We look at our text briefly, and we'll come back to it towards the end of the message. But we see in our text verse that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Here, of course, the context is, He's teaching husbands to love their wives, and of course, every husband should love their wives, and every wife should respect her husband. That's one of the main, the main purposes of, of uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and the end of the chapter. Wives typically receive love through security and affection. Men receive love through respect and admiration. That's just the way God made us. But here he, he kind of pauses and uses the church as an illustration. He said in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What a standard that we men are supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. The high standard men, and with God's help, we all ought to strive for it and to to strive to attain it. But then he says that, verse 26, that he, Christ, might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, with the washing of water by the word. He's talking about the the, the washing power of salvation, the Word of God mixed with the shed blood of Christ brings about this new birth, this cleansing that, that washes the deepest stains of sin away. And though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they can be as wool. The cleansing power of the Word of God and the blood of Christ makes this church beautiful. You see what it says in verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. One of the synonyms for beauty in the New Testament is the word glory. Glory, the brightness, the bright, beautiful. And Christ says, when I look at my church, she's glorious. One of the privileges of being a pastor is I get to do weddings. I love doing weddings and I love standing up here and having the, the nervous groom as he's just all nervous and he's all made up and, and his bride or his, his grooms and the, the bridesmaids waiting and, 
and in the back we're waiting for the bride, and, and that moment comes, the music changes, and that bride steps into the aisle, and she's beautiful. Hair done, makeup done, beautiful smile, glowing with the anticipation of a wonderful life. Almost always I hear the groom's breath catch as he sees his bride getting ready to walk down the aisle. And you know what he thinks in that moment? She's glorious. She's beautiful. You know that's how Christ thinks about his church? She's spotless, and I died to make it so. She's glorious. She's beautiful. You say, preacher, I understand the church is that way, but... Can I remind you this morning that you are the church? A local church is an assembly of baptized believers in a community. That's what Curtis Corner Baptist Church is. Curtis Corner Baptist Church is not these walls and the floors and the the brick and, and the lumber and the drywall. Curtis Corner Baptist Church is the people. We could go out and meet under a tree and it would still be Curtis Corner Baptist Church. And when the Bible here talks about the church, it's talking about all of the born-again believers who are saved during the church age, and Christ died to make this church, this group of individuals, clean and spotless and beautiful. The church is Christ's spiritual bride, and she is glorious. She is beautiful. And you're part of the bride of Christ, and you are beautiful in Christ. You don't believe me yet. God is beautiful, and He bestows beauty upon His creation. But God also gave us the ability to recognize and appreciate beauty if we take the time to do so. You know, it's hard to explain to someone what beauty is, but we know it when we see it, don't we? I love oil paintings, and sometimes when... We're just over in Newport, and I've got a few minutes. I like walking into the, the uh, art galleries. And sometimes I'm wearing a suit and tie, so they assume you have money, which I don't. I'm broke. <laughs> but uh, clearance racks do wonders, amen? And, uh, but you walk in there, and they treat you like you got money. I remember one time I walked onto a car lot, and we were, my, my, my brother and I, we were looking at a, a Ford Cobra, and a very expensive, and the guy's like, hey, you want to take it for a drive? You know, assuming I had the money to buy it. I was like, not today. Maybe I'll come back another time. And uh, I don't have the money to do that. But I like going over in Newport, and I like looking at the beautiful paintings. And we were in one just some months ago, and I, I took some, a preacher friend over who was in town, and I was showing him some things. Oh, this, this painting's only $12,000. And oh, this painting's only $64,000. What is it? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but but uh, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Sometimes you can look at a a, a painting and be like, what in the world is that? And someone else will pay a million dollars for it. But we we can all appreciate beauty, the beauty of a a nice car, the beauty of a beautiful home or a a well-architectured building, the, the, the beauty of God's creation. God has given us the ability to recognize and appreciate beauty. And I want you to remember this morning, don't underestimate that priceless gift. The very fact that you can see it and appreciate it 
is a gift of God. And it's a wonderful gift to exercise. And I think we need to enjoy the beauty around us, but also we should learn to enjoy the beauty within us. I want to use an illustration this morning just about about physical looks and physical beauty because sometimes the the definition of beauty gets strained or or pulled out of focus in our lives. Did you know that most people are unhappy with how they look? Have you ever thought about that? You say, well, not the pretty ones. The pretty ones are unhappy with how they look. Not the skinny ones. The skinny ones are unhappy with how they look. Whatever your vision of that's beautiful is, I guarantee you that 99% of the people that look that way are unhappy with how they look. People are generally unhappy with the contours of their face, how big their nose is, how far apart their eyes are, what color their hair is, what color their eyes are, the thickness of their eyebrows, the, the thickness of their lips, the shape of their teeth. I mean, the list goes on and on. People are unhappy with the shape of their body. I prefer the pear shape, personally, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm okay with that. I think in, in some cultures, it's the high standard of beauty. And you skinny people, I feel sorry for you. Do you know that some people, most people, are unhappy with the sound of their voice? Remember the first time you ever heard your voice recorded or your voice on, on a telephone? Most of us are like, that's not me. Is it? You know, as we're they're like, oh, no, that's you. And you're like, you're not helping. That's... So most people aren't happy with how they look, but the dissatisfaction goes even deeper than the physical. Most people are unhappy with many areas of their life. You know, most people are unhappy with their personality. They wish they had a different personality. Most people are unhappy with their abilities. Most people are unhappy with their emotions and how they respond to things. A lot of people are unhappy with their choices. Most people are unhappy with their accomplishments in life. You see, if you and I aren't careful, we will spend so much time focusing on what we don't like that we fail to appreciate the beauty in us and around us. Consider physical beauty for a moment. Most people are unhappy with how they look. Why? Because they compare themselves to an unnatural standard. What is beauty? What, 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 is a, what does a beautiful woman look like? What does a, what does a, a handsome man look like? And we learn that media and entertainment industries can to this unhappiness. Did you know that they promote an unattainable standard of beauty and success? If you're reading magazines and saying that's beauty, then you just condemned yourself. Most of those pictures, you know, even after all the effort, most of those pictures are still photoshopped with software. It's an unattainable ideal. They, they promote an unattainable perfection. Consider the unnatural standard of beauty for men. Think about muscle-bound heroes. And those of you that are a little bit older, if you think about a muscle-bound actor from the 1950s to the 1980s, they had big muscles, but they weren't cut, chiseled figures. I think about Hoss on Bonanza. And men like that. They were big. They were muscular. They'd beat your face in and walk away. 
with very little effort. But they weren't these chiseled people that we see today. What happened? The idea of a leading man, a muscle-bound action hero, changed over time. In the 1980s, a man named Arnold Schwarzenegger had just won the Mr. Universe contest. Basically, a contest that says he's got the ideal male body in the universe, is what their idea of this is, and then he decides to go into acting. Matter of fact, he was so muscular when he went into acting, they told him he had to lose weight. He was just too muscular. But then over the course of the 1980s, you see him and others uh, in these action shows and TV shows where they've got these big muscular bodies and, and chiseled figures and the entire ideal of an action lead star in Hollywood entertainment began to change where that became the standard. And do you know that if you're a young man today trying to look like that, I hate to burst your bubble, but for most of you, it ain't ever going to happen. And here's the problem. It's not real. Think about this. Most of these men, they have a private chef. I'd like to have a private chef. They have a private chef that feeds them very specific meal plans that the actors and bodybuilders themselves typically hate eating. Then they have private trainers that train their bodies and do nothing but pay attention to them and get their bodies in a certain shape. They have intense, unrealistic schedules. They spend insane amounts of money on vitamins and supplements and sometimes drugs. On top of all that, often they have plastic surgery done. They'll have expensive dental work done. They'll have costly skin treatments, makeup, hair transplants, and more. One NFL quarterback revealed that he spends $1 million a year on his body simply to feed and take care of his body and keep it in optimal health, $1 million a year. If you're looking at that saying, well, that's beautiful, that's what I want to be, you're in trouble. One famous actor, I heard him explain that when he does a shirtless scene in a movie, on top of everything else we just mentioned, the director often has him dehydrate himself for three days. Because as he dehydrates himself, the skin gets thinner. It lays on the muscles a little better, makes the muscles look more pronounced. And so you have this guy in this movie that everybody says, wow! And all the ladies say, wow! And all the young men say, that's what I want to be. It's not real. You see the problem? You say, preacher, what's the problem? Because you're going around beating yourself up about how ugly you are, comparing yourself to an unnatural standard that's fake. You shouldn't do that. Think about The unnatural standard of beauty. Actresses receive hair and makeup from people that are paid hundreds of dollars per hour. I guarantee you that if we paid someone hundreds of dollars per hour to do makeup and hair for two or three hours, you might look a little bit different than you do today. They might even be able to make me look good. Have you ever seen pictures of some of these actresses without makeup? It's like they're different people. It's unattainable. It's not real. Models live unhealthy lives, including bad eating habits and dangerous drugs to maintain unnatural figures. 
most people aren't supposed to be that skinny. I've, I've, we, we've dealt with teenagers over the years who are bulimic and anorexic because they're trying to get their bodies down to an unnatural shape, and it's not real. Ladies getting implants here and, and, and implants there, trying to get this weird body shape because some star on TV has it. It's not real. Actors practice for hours to perfect the perfect body language and recite lines in movies that are held up as the standard of cool. Plastic surgery is common among the wealthy because they're afraid to age. And sometimes it goes dreadfully wrong, doesn't it? Sometimes you'll see some actor or actress and they don't even look like they used to act because they went a little bit too far trying to... Folks, it's not real. Here's What are you saying, preacher? I'm trying to say that you're going to spend a life of unhappiness and frustration because you're comparing yourself to something that God never intended you to be. God made you just the way you are. Do you know you're the height God wanted you to be? I always wanted to be over six feet. In basketball in high school, I was listed as 5'11", and we probably weren't there. Probably more like 5'10 and a quarter. But you know, I had a buddy that was 6'10, and he hated it because he kept hitting his head on everything. He, kept, he had a hard time fitting in a normal car. He said, Paul, you want to be 6'10 so you can rebound? He said, I am like a, a freak of nature that can't fit in a normal vehicle without pain and suffering. He said, enjoy being 5'10. The 6'10 guy wanted to be shorter. The short guy wanted to be taller. Human nature. I was joking with my wife. I said, I feel bad for some young men today. I'm afraid they don't even know what their fiancé looks like under all the layers of so-called beauty. You know, I'm, I'm all for ladies wearing makeup and stuff, but man, they've got it down to a science. You got face primer that makes everything just smooth. Foundation, concealer, blush, eyeliner, eyeshadow, bronzer, finishing powder, and that's just the face. And nowadays, it's the fake, it, nowadays, it's the fake eyelashes and the hair extensions and shapewear and plastic surgery. I'll be watching a show with my wife because we watch a lot of Discovery Channel or Food Network or something. So that's how we spend time together because she's so ill. She'll be like, you know that's not her hair, right? I'll be like, that's her hair. Of course it's her hair. She's like, that's not her hair. Then they show a picture of her taking out all this hair extensions. It's like, what happened? You know, peeling off her eyelashes, you know, that's, that, and taking off her makeup. Now it's like a totally different person. It's, I'm afraid there's some guy's going to wake up on their, the next night after their wedding, and they're going to be like, they go into the bathroom, and half their wife's face is on the sink. And they're, they're like, what's going on here? I read a story years ago about there was a very handsome man who married a very beautiful woman, and people would often comment on how beautiful their children were going to be. You've probably said that to people. Oh, you two are so beautiful. You're going to have beautiful children. Well, they had a child, and the child was not beautiful. They had more children, and those children were not beautiful. And the man was kind of stumped. He said, matter of fact, they don't really look like me at all. He began to wonder if they were even his children. Come to find out, His wife revealed to him, they'd been married for years, she revealed that before they ever met, she had $100,000 worth of plastic surgery. 
before they met. And the children were just taking after her. Folks, you don't want to have an unattainable standard where you feel like that you have to reach towards something unnatural when the truth is, can I tell you a secret? Can I just tell each one of you a secret? You're beautiful just the way you are. Even you scruffy-looking guys, too. In the eyes of God, you're beautiful. Isn't that interesting? And that's just one aspect of beauty. We're talking about physical beauty. Do you know there's more to life than, than physical beauty? Proverbs 11.22 says, A jewel of gold in a swine snout. As a jewel of gold in a swine snout, so is a fair woman without dis- discretion. We grew up in the country. And if you put a jewel of gold in the snout of a pig, I still wouldn't want to live in the house with it. I still wouldn't want to marry it. And sometimes people have this outward beauty, but inside they're ugly. That's a shame, isn't it? I often encourage the young ladies, you're beautiful the way God made you, the the young ones that are growing up in church, because they hear it all the time other ways. You're beautiful just how God made you, and it's more important to be beautiful on the inside than to be beautiful on the outside. Do you agree with that? There's a difference between cocky pride and humble confidence. None of us should have a cocky pride in, in who we are, how we look, but we should have a humble confidence that God made me beautiful when he made me. And when I was born again, he made me beautiful on the inside. And that's what he sees. Let me give you a couple quick thoughts, and we'll go to the house. I'm getting a little hungry. We'll go to the house and get, yeah, Swan's always hungry. We'll, we'll go to the house and get some food. Turn to Psalm 139. We'll look at a few scriptures here. Then we'll go to the house. Psalm 139, moving quickly. <clears throat> Psalm 139. Is this a blessing to you? Got to stop beating yourself up for comparing yourself to, to things that aren't real. Psalm 139 and verse 14. Great verse for you to memorize. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Here you'd be you do yourself well to read the context and read about the miracle of God's birth and forming the child in the womb according to his book. God decided what you and I were going to look like long before we were ever conceived. And he put us together in a way that is beautiful to him, and we should respect and honor that. And stop comparing ourselves to everybody else. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. It talks about the the way that we are created, when we stop and look at ourselves and how we were created, it, it inspires awe. It inspires a reverence, a holy fear that says, wow, look at how God made me. Look at, look at what God did for me. Consider just the, the beauty of your physical body. You are beautiful physically. And first, let's just talk about the function. Have you stopped and thought about the fact that God gave you a body that works beautifully? And even as you grow older, it doesn't work the way you want it to, or you're struggling with sickness or disease. Do you understand that mankind can't even come close 
to, to creating anything with the precision and beauty of the human body. I read an article just recently of these people that are trying to build human-like robots, and they said they had to hire more staff and take months and months of learning just to try to learn how to build an actuator that will make a, a robot's limb move like a human limb moves, and they still haven't figured it out. So something as simple and mundane as a joint in your body that works every single time and it's put together the way God wanted it to be put together and we move them without even thinking and God says, that's beautiful. And the scientist, the roboticist says, we can't even figure that out because it's beautiful. You live in a body that is an amazing miracle. Here's what Albert Barnes said about this passage of Scripture. He says, The formation of man is not of himself, not of his parents, but of God. And it is very wonderful in all of its parts. It has been astonishment to many heathens who have with any carefulness examined the structure and texture of the human body, the exact symmetry and just proportion of its parts, their position and usefulness, how every bone, muscle, artery, nerve, and fiber are nicely framed and placed to answer their designed in. Particularly the eye and the ear, the exquisite exquisite make of them for sight and sound have filled the most diligent inquirers into nature with amazement and wonder and are full proof of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Think about just something as simple as your eye. Something as simple as your ears. Think about your circulatory system, your lymphatic system, your endocrine system. There is nowhere that you can look in this body where if you paid attention, you wouldn't step back and go, wow, that's amazing. And God gave me one of those. God gave me a body. All the way down to the very cell, the human body is a glorious beautiful machine that's the temporary housing of our eternal soul. Consider physical beauty. So we've looked at the function, now look at the beauty. The human body's not just functional, it's beautiful. But have you ever noticed someone that you thought was beautiful, let's say a beautiful woman with a guy that you thought, he's not much to look at, but they looked very happy? Have you ever seen an example of that? Do you know why? Because beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You may not think he's much to look at, but she does. Have you ever seen just a gorgeous man with a woman on his arm and you're like, oh, she's not much to look at? Well, she is to him. See, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And I promise you, in the eyes of God, he thinks everybody's beautiful as his creation, especially as his children. But there's someone in this, in this world that's going to think you're beautiful just the way you are. Stop comparing yourself to others. Take care of what God gave you. I recommend you bathe occasionally. I recommend you use some deodorant. Probably a good idea. You know, learn how to brush your teeth. Learn how to comb your hair. Learn how to dress in matching clothes. You know, go to the gym or work outside. Stay fit. Do your best to stay healthy. Take care of what God gave you, but stop comparing yourselves to other people and certainly stop comparing yourself to a fake and phony world that can't even live up to their own standards of beauty. I'll say to the the aging folks, stop comparing yourself to younger people. 
Do you know there's beautiful at 30, and there's beautiful at 40, and there's beautiful at 50, and there's beautiful at 60, and there's beautiful at 70, and there's beautiful at 80, and there's beautiful at 90? Stop comparing yourself to someone that's not who God intended you to be. And be thankful for who you are. Number one, you're beautiful physically. Number two, you're beautiful mentally. Have you thought about the marvels of your mind? That mind right now that's saying, is he almost done? That, that, that mind right now? It's, it's a marvel of human. Humans can't even understand it. And each one of these could just, you, you could just dive into a week and just learn the marvels of each of these things. But I'll tell you, your brain's beautiful. I, I just looked up a, a simple illustration just to, to give you some context how the human brain compares with a supercomputer. It says at the time of this writing, the fastest computer globally is in Jiangzhou, China, and has a maximum processing speed of 54.902 petaflops. I know you all know what that means, right? A petaflop is a quadrillion or 1,000 trillion floating point calculations per second. That's a huge amount of calculations, but it doesn't even come close to the processing speed of the human brain. In contrast, our miraculous brains operate on the next order higher. Although it's impossible to calculate precisely, it's postulated that the human brain operates at one exaflop equivalent to a billion billion calculations per second. You say, what does that mean? It means your brain's pretty cool. In 2004, some clever researchers in Japan tried to match the processing power, get this, in one second from 1% of the brain. doesn't sound like very much. One second, 1% of the brain. What they found is the, the world's fourth fastest supercomputer took 40 minutes to crunch the calculations for a single second of 1% of your brain activity. And here you are thinking you're stupid. Because somebody told you you were dumb and you believed them. I'm not very smart. I didn't do good in school. You know, Einstein has a beautiful quote. Einstein said, everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. You know, some of you believe you're stupid because you were compared to the wrong thing. I know people that can barely read a book, but they could, they could go out and strip your engine down out of your car faster than you could blink and put it back together. That's a form of genius. I know guys that could barely pass their driving test because they get all flustered when it comes time to take a test and they're building multi-million dollar houses. The truth is, folks, God made you beautiful. He made you beautiful with a physical body and, and, and function and beauty. He made you beautiful with a brain that is beyond our human comprehension of capability. And your brain's beautiful. He made you beautiful emotionally. I won't take time to develop this, but God gave you emotions, that, and emotions give color to life. Imagine if you just went through life without any way to feel it, without any way to experience it. How terrible would that be? But God gave you emotions they give color and feeling to everyday life. And no, emotions are not good ways to make decisions, but they're a wonderful way to live life as you learn to bring them in control through the power of God. You're beautiful spiritually. 
1 John 3, 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot commit sin. He cannot sin because he is born of God. There, when you get born again, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is a part on the inside of you that becomes sinless and perfect and beautiful, and it cannot sin. Now that part of you is still wrapped in this old flesh, the, the new man versus the old man. We've talked about that in the last couple months. But that new man in you is absolutely beautiful. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see the, the, the uncleanliness of the old sinful flesh. He sees the beauty of his new child inside you. And you're beautiful in the eyes of God. We learned in Ephesians chapter 5, we're beautiful, glorious. But let me end with this final thought. God made us beautiful. Beautiful physically, beautiful mentally, beautiful emotionally, and certainly beautiful spiritually if we're born again. But we get to decide every day if we're going to live a beautiful life practically. Remember I said at the beginning of the message, it's more important to be beautiful on the inside than on the outside. You know, it's more important how you treat people than how you look. Do you know what's more important, the words that come out of your mouth and the color of lipstick on your lips? More important, the intention and feeling that you give through your eyes than what color they are? <clears throat> it's more important what you do with your hands and arms and your feet and your legs than how big your muscles are. And God said, I made you beautiful. If you're born again, I made you eternally beautiful on the inside. But every day for the rest of your life, you get to decide whether you live a beautiful life. The world's full of pretty people who live ugly lives. But God says, I'm giving you the opportunity to live a beautiful life. How do you do that? Cultivate the beauty of holiness. Bible uses that phrase four times, the beauty of holiness. How do you do that? Cultivate the beauty of spirit. Proverbs 31.30, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. How do we live a beautiful life? We cultivate the beauty of action. Titus 2.10, we adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Put God first in all you do. As we leave, I want you to ponder this thought. You're beautiful whether you know it or not. If you're born again, when God looks at you, he doesn't see some ugly monster. He sees his child. You were given a beautiful body as the temporary home of your eternal soul. You were given a beautiful mind that can think. You were given a beautiful heart that can feel. You were given a beautiful spirit born in the image of Christ at salvation. You were given a beautiful soul washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. Now you have the opportunity to live a beautiful life as you choose to follow Christ. Here's the encouragement for today. Step into your God-given beauty 
and live gloriously. Stop just trying to get by. Stop just trying to make it. And realize that you can live a beautiful life in the power of God. And when God looks at you, He sees beauty. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth <clears throat> that we've learned today. Different kind of message, but one that I think is, is needed in our day and age where so much emphasis is put on the outward appearance. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us victory in this matter. I pray that you'd release young boys and girls from this unattainable vision of, of perfection and beauty that the world puts in front of them. I pray that you'd help each one of us to stop condemning ourselves. Even as we grow older, help us learn to grow older gracefully. There's virtue in the gray head the losing of the hair, the wrinkles of the skin that each one tell a story. There's virtue in that. And it in itself is beautiful when accompanied by a beautiful life. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to get the message today. May it sink deeply within our hearts. And then Lord, if there's one here today that's not sure they're saved, they're not sure they're going to heaven someday, they've never confessed they were a sinner, Condemned spiritually, without hope, unless they trust the Son of God who died on the cross to pay for their sin. I pray today would be the day of salvation. 